Hello, hola, and konnichiwa. I am your host, Daniel Gumby Greenland, and this is the Prelim Primer, the one and only podcast fully dedicated to the Curtain Jerkers. Of course, I'm talking about those fighting on the prelims of upcoming UFC fight cards. This weekend coming up, UFC 260 headlined by a heavyweight clash between Steve Miocic and Francis Ngannou. And of course, we won't be breaking down that fight at all on this show, because this is the Prelim Primer. We are here to get you just the information you need about the prelim portion of the card. Now, for those of you who might be new to the show, you might be asking yourself, why just the prelims? Why not break down the entire fight card? Why not give us at least the fights we really care about? And the answer is really simple. You probably have a place you already go to get that main card breakdown. And plus, in addition to that, the fights that are really going to make you money, whether you're gambling, playing daily fantasy sports, or even just checking out your favorite pick app, are the prelims. you got to know about the prelims in order to do well, and that's what we're here to help you on. And speaking of pick apps, I want to tell you about our sponsor, which is Fanatics MMA, the most comprehensive MMA pick app that exists on the planet. They got fighter bios, records, odds, all in the palm of your hand while you make the picks. Plus, let me tell you something. The scoring system on this pick app is one of the coolest things ever. It's my favorite feature because it uses odds to show how good you're doing. No longer do you have to worry about somebody winning your pick by going chalk all week. Instead, Fanatics uses the Vegas odds to show you how you're doing against the books, which really gives you like a fighter IQ score because you're not getting just a win-loss percentage. All picks aren't created equal. You are getting proven that you are good at picking the fights that are hard to pick. I highly encourage you to go download it and wherever it is you download apps and listen on later in the show so that you can hear a little bit more how you might be able to play against me and maybe even some of my former co-hosts. And speaking of co-host, I would be remiss if I did not mention that joining me today from MMA Empire, Cage Side Press, and of course, the Coach's Corner podcast on Top Turtle MMA Network, Joe McDonough. Joe, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you for having me, Dan. I mean, always a pleasure. I love doing the, the prelim primer and, uh, you know, talking to prelims. All right, guys. And as you know, we start each and every round by putting five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about William Knight versus Alonzo Menafield. So Knight won his debut against Alexa Kamer back in September. Meanwhile, Menafield been in the UFC for a little bit longer of a time. After winning his first two, though, he's since dropped two in a row. But those are to Devin Clark and OSP. So pretty high level of competition there. My question for you is, Knight is kind of a wild man. He kind of likes to just swing it. He, he's nuts in there to watch. Is Menafield technical enough to capitalize on that? Or is he kind of at a detriment here because of that wild style and that probably stronger frame of night? I think uh, Menafield should be technical enough, but I think, like you said, you couldn't have said any better, Dan. Uh, Willie Knight is a, a wild card. You know, sometimes he's throwing absolute haymakers. Other times he's getting hit and then coming back in the fight. You know, he's done that a couple of times. You know, um, I, I'm a New Englander just like you. Uh, you know, good friends with Tyson Chartier over there at Top Game Management, where William Knight, you know, uh, is a part of. So, I mean, I'm going Knight. You know, I'm a little biased here. Menafield's obviously faced a tougher competition, albeit in losses. But, you know, being in there with OSP obviously brings you something to the resume, win or loss. That being said, William Knight is a wild card in the sense that he can attack you and pounce right away, or he can take punishment and kind of withstand your best shots. And, and still be standing there and kind of surprise opponents. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that one. It's so weird to watch his fights. My question, just that I kind of have to continuously ask myself in deciding whether or not 
I believe, you know, William Knight is like the next big thing at light heavyweight or going to be a flash in the pandas. I just am not sure what he did to Cody Brundage on the contender series is replicable or is is something he can replicate against a guy like Alonzo Menafield, right? Like he was in bottom position, getting beat up, and he just stood the hell up because he can, because he's made of like giant muscles. And, and like I said, exactly. it, it worked against Cody Brundage. It worked against Alexa Kamer, who's kind of like him, kind of reckless and young and not really polished all the way up yet. I just have a toughest time believing that that works against Alonzo Menafield at this stage. I think William Knight probably long-term winds up with like a better looking career than Alonzo Menafield. But at this time, I think I'm going to take Alonzo Menafield to just capitalizing on one of those errors, maybe finishing him with ground and pound. If Knight does get it down, I assume you're taking him by knockout. Is that how you see it going down? Absolutely. I mean, I, you know, the other thing about this fight is they're both a pick 'em. It's both minus 110. Um, so it, the smart of that would probably be Menafield. I agree with you. But again, the uh, bias here of where I live and, you know, I've interviewed William Knight, you know, a few times and Tyson. And um, so I'm going to go with Knight. But uh, being at a pick 'em, Menafield has a lot of value there. Absolutely. And that brings us to our second point, which is another one with really close odds. And that's Jessica Penne versus Hannah Goldie. So Penne has lost three straight to Ioana Janjacek, Jessica Andrade, and then Danielle Taylor. And, and those are three hell, hell of an impressive names. And then she had this really long USADA battle. She's been out for an extended period of time. She actually last fought in April of 2017, which is so ridiculously long ago. Meanwhile, Hannah Goldie fought in August against Miranda Granger, lost her debut. Actually, that was that was August of 2019, so it's been a while for Goldie as well. So here's my question. Putting aside the long layoff of Penny, because she's got obviously the much longer layoff, and, and whatever you want to say about the USADA suspension and all of that kind of stuff, do you think the Penne skill set that you last saw in the cage is still enough to handle somebody like Hannah Goldie? I'd like to say yes, but it's hard to ignore that, uh, you know, those those years off. And, um, you know, Goldie is so just so big and strong and, you know, bulky. She's, you know, she's, she's just such a strong fighter. You know, Penny, like you said, she hasn't even fought since 2017 and she hasn't won since 2014, albeit, you know, fighting, you know, Joanna and Jane Check and, and, you know, the top of the top. But, you know, I just, I just, it's hard for me. You know, and Goldie's only a minus 120 favorite, so it's just hard for me to look at Penne. Yes, if we're looking at prime Penne, you know, back in 2015, yeah, I'd probably take her in this fight, but I just don't know with that long of a layoff and not even fighting and then, you know, having three losses since, you know, fighting and all of that stuff, I just, I I think Hannah Goldie takes it here, especially after her loss in the debut. Yeah, and I will say this, if I can go back and just steal, like, you know, 2016 Jessica Penne or 2015 Jessica Penne, I think she wins this fight comfortably. I think she wins this fight with her grappling. I think she wins this, because, you know, we saw Miranda Granger uh, beat Hannah Goldie in that fight, and Miranda Granger is a smaller fighter, is a girl who's good at jiu-jitsu. Penne's got a little bit of that in her, too, so, you know, like I sort of see that same path to victory if it's 2015 Penne. But you're right. I'm not super confident in it. I'm on a long shot gonna take Jessica Penne just on the chance that she does come in looking like she did. I I rode that uh, lightning with with Ayman Zahabi a few weeks ago and it paid off. I'll do it again here. I'll say <laughs> Jessica Penne gets it done with a decision. Do you see decision for Goldie? I do think decision for Goldie. And, and like you said, I think that it's such a wild card. If Penne comes in and she's like 
you know, prime 2015 Penne, she probably is riding an easy decision here. But I just don't know if that's what we see. Um, but that's the mystery, and we'll see, you know, we'll see come fight night. Absolutely. And when we get to a little bit later on in the show, you guys are going to see a whole lot more mysteries that we're going to talk about as well, because there are some wild layoffs on that card. But in the meantime, that's going to do it for the end of round one. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with round number two. All right, well, I mentioned on the top of the show that you can challenge me with your picks on Fanatics MMA, and this is how you're going to do it. You're going to head on over to whatever Top Turtle podcast account that you follow, whether it's my Twitter or our Instagram, at Top Turtle MMA. You're going to click on the little link in the bio. That's going to bring you to our our campsite, our place where we list all of our links. And the second link on there is join our group. That's right. All you got to do is click Play Fanatics MMA with us. You'll join that group, you'll get right in, and you'll be picking with the best. That's right. I was 9-1 last week, so actually, you are literally picking with the best. So make sure to go ahead and click that link, download the app. You won't be sorry you did. And we are back with round number two. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Jared Gooden versus Abu Bakr Nurmagomedov. So Gooden lost his debut to Alan Joban back in November. Of course, that's a tough name to be taken on short notice. Nurmagomedov, meanwhile, also lost his debut. He fought David Zawada all the way back in November of 2019 and kind of lost disappointingly by triangle choke after taking him down and kind of controlling the action but getting caught. So obviously both guys, young prospects, people super excited about both of them. Both of them kind of faltered in their de- debut. One against a you know little higher level condition. One looked good until he didn't. W- which performance there instilled more confidence for you in the long run? I mean, the thing with Nurmagomedov, you know, everyone hears the name and, and instantly it's, uh, it's somehow they're related to Khabib and, and they're going to be you know they've been wrestling there since they were two years old and all of this stuff. Um, and it, Nurmagomedov has a ton of hype and, you know, people are were pumped to see him join the UFC. But I mean, up until 2017, he, he didn't face a super elite competition level. Now, that being said, he still, you know, went, you know, well, I think only had one loss at that time. But, you know, when he joined PFL in 2018, um, I believe he went 1-1-1. One, one, and one. I think there was a draw in there. Um, but, but nothing super, super impressive. He, he got choked out um, in his debut and then, like we said in the UFC, um, UFC debut with, with Zawada, um, you know, got the takedown, and then he gets triangle choked. Um, you know, so it, this is a super interesting um, fight, and, and actually one of the fights that I've had the toughest time kind of going back and forth. Nermagomedov is a minus 235 favorite. Again, I think that's a little bit built off the fact of the last name. Um, but, again, both guys haven't, you know, Nermagomedov hasn't fought since 2019. So, I mean, what has he been working on? Um, it's very interesting. Like you said, Joban, Joban's not, you know, an easy name to come up against um, for Gooden in your, in your UFC debut. Yeah, and the, the interesting thing to me here, too, is is Gooden is not a bad wrestler in his own right. Like, his takedown against Alan Joban looked pretty good. He took he took Joban down one out of one times. Granted, he didn't shoot a lot, and it maybe caught, you know, Joban by surprise a little bit. But, hey, that, that's a pretty nice notch on his belt. I'd say at the price tag, I like Gooden. Like, if I'm, I'm looking to, like, I have to bet on every single fight. Like, I, I'd pick Gooden. But with that being said, if I'm looking for, like, a pick for, like, gun to my head, I still think Nurmagomedov, like, just sort of defends the submissions on top enough, has enough top game time, and probably wins a decision here. Uh, at least that's my my take right now. How about you? 
I, I completely agree, Dan. I think that, um, you know, if I'm, if I'm being the smart better, uh, which I'm not all the time, <laughs> I think that Nurmagomedov rides to a decision, you know, with, with top control, takedowns, um, and kind of controls on the ground. That being said, I think minus 235 is a little, a little bit inflated. Um, so, you know, I have to ride with at least one underdog on a, on a fight card, and, and Gooden's probably going to be that, that underdog for me. That makes a lot of sense. Now, that brings us to our next fight, which is Modestus Bukakis versus Mikhail Olashejak. So, Bukakis won and won in the UFC. He beat Andreas Mikhailaitis in his debut. Then they give him Jimmy Crute in his second fight. He loses to Jimmy Crute, which, again, no shame in those kind of losses. Olashejak, meanwhile, was unbeaten in his first three, but then has dropped two straight to OSP and the aforementioned Jimmy Crute. So, both of them actually coming off of losses to Jimmy Crute. Now... My question for this one comes down to the idea that both of these fighters are pretty physically gifted. Even if, you know, Ola Shajak doesn't necessarily look at it, he winds up being very physically strong in there against some of his opponents. But both of them kind of have, like, these weird gaps in their game where they look almost clueless at certain points. Which of those gaps do you see in these guys' games that kind of concerns you the most? I think the gaps um, with, with Bukaskis is, is bigger. Um it's also crazy that these guys are only in their mid twenties. I mean, you know, I think Olszewski's twenty six, which is wild um, to think about. I mean, and then you look at both their fights versus Jimmy Crute, and both were finished in the first round. Um, you know, one was was Kamora, and uh, I think one was TKO'd. Um, and, and you know, Olszewski's fight against OSP again, no shame in losing, especially getting Von, Von Flu choked to OSP. You know, I think Bukas has such a good cardio game. And I think he'll try to use that and take this fight to deep waters. And and I really think there's going to be a game plan from, um, you know, from Olszewski to not let that happen. And and I really do think we're going to see a TKO win here in uh, in round one or early round two. I think that he's not going to let this fight go late because I think that's how Buskowskis wins this fight. Yeah, I think that that's how Bukowskis wins this fight too. And the other thing I will say that I'm a little bit interested in is whether or not Modestus comes out to try to wrestle. Because while we haven't seen him wrestle in the UFC, I've seen him a little bit outside the UFC, and I, I think he would probably be well-served to do that here. But then again, that, that kind of goes against that game plan that you were talking about where the deep waters approach kind of does him well. And, and it, it tires you out a little bit to, to wrestle it up. So, yeah, I mean, I, I've been on the fence a whole bunch about this one. But, yeah, I, I think ultimately Oshajak probably comes out swinging a little bit harder, uh, looking a little bit wild. And, and I think he probably cracks Bukaskis before Bukaskis. Uh, cracks Ola Shajak. So, yeah, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to take Ola Shajak, and I'm going to take him uh, by TKO or KO. And that's going to do it for the end of our second round. We still got two more fights for you, and they're wild ones. So uh, stay tuned, and we'll be right back. All right, well, I hope after the last commercial break that you guys are already in my group on Fanatics MMA, and now you can check out some of the coolest features they have. Of course, I told you already my favorite feature is the scoring system, but they've got other great features as well, such as you can use the chat function to talk to the people who are in your group. So if you're used to, you know, meeting in the big group, watching the fights on a Saturday night, and, you know, this whole pandemic and lockdown have kind of got you so that you don't see your buddies as much anymore, you can still chat with them in that function. You don't have to use a Twitter DM, which is annoying to get to. No, no, no. It's right there, right next to your picks, while you're proving to your buddies that you're better than them. There's that. There's so much more on there, too, including a place to listen to the Prelim Primer. So make sure you download Fanatics MMA wherever it is you download apps. (music) 
and we are right back with round number three. I'm gonna put another five minutes on the clock. And first we're gonna talk about Jillian Robertson versus Miranda Maverick, which by the way, if you listened about five weeks ago, me and Joe had already broken down for you. Uh, let's run this back though. Robertson has won two straight or had won two straight before she lost that streak to Talia Santos back in December. Meanwhile, Maverick won her debut over Liana Jojua in October by TKO due to a pretty gnarly cut throwing an up elbow. Now, again, we're going to break it down almost the same exact way. Now, it is a little bit later. It was delayed. This fight is finally rebooked. My question here is that Miranda Maverick has clearly got the wrestling advantage. Does she even want to use it to go to the ground against the Dean Thomas black belt? Uh, and, and, you know, I feel bad for those who, who listened five weeks back and they said the same thing. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I, I do think that she, I, I think Miranda Maverick, albeit, uh, Jillian Robertson is, is great on the ground. Um, and like you said, Dean Thomas, you know, such a, a great mind and, you know, who, who she works with solely um, as a coach. But I think Maverick, I mean, what we saw against, um, you know, Jojua, it, it was just domination. I mean, she is so big and strong. Her wrestling game is just, I mean, she, she looks like she should be in a different weight class than uh, Jillian Robertson. Um, so I think, while it probably will stay standing for a little while, because I think that Maverick will have a, a pretty sizable advantage standing, I think she will have no problem um, also taking to this, this to the ground. I think she has a lot of confidence from you know from from her career before the UFC, and then to have that debut. Um, and, and Jillian Robertson obviously you know has faced some great great fighters. I mean, she's had a ton of UFC. Um, you know, been in the UFC cage and she's only 25 years old. You know, I think this is already like her eighth or ninth UFC fight, which is insane. Um, I'm a big fan of Jillian Robertson. I always have been. Uh, I said this five weeks ago. That being said, if you put a gun to my head and Miranda Maverick's only a minus 160 favorite, I, I may throw the house on it. Yeah, I, I'm all over that number as well. And the, the thing too for this, for me, is part of what you said in the middle there. If this, if Miranda Maverick chooses to make this a stand-up battle and chooses never to go to the ground, I think she wins that too. And, and like, so what are we talking about here for a path to victory for Jillian Robertson? Get taken down, get taken down intentionally, and then sweep or sub against somebody who's that heavy on top of you. I, I just don't see it. Like, like that is such a narrow path to victory, and it's a path to victory that is completely contingent upon Miranda Maverick's game plan. So, yeah, I, I just can't have any kind of confidence picking Jillian Robertson, despite the fact that I do love her sub-skills. So I'm going to go Maverick here, and I'm going to say, I actually think, let's say TKO. I think she probably gets a mount position or something like that and gets a referee stoppage. You, you think she could finish her? I think she can. Um, I think I think Jillian's a tough girl, though. I think, I think it will go decision. Um, but I like what you said there. I mean, not only is that game plan completely contingent on Miranda's game plan, but it's also the path to victory for Jillian also includes not getting beaten up to the point where you have to, you know, quit, essentially, because Miranda's on top of you. So uh, I definitely could see the TKO, but um, I'm going to ride decision. All right. And that brings us to our last fight, which is probably the weirdest on the card. And that's Abu Ziatar versus Marc-Andre Berrio. Ziatar won his UFC debut over Vitor Miranda, who you might not know because he's no longer with the company. And that was in July of 2018. Since then, he's been on a USADA suspension, couple of injuries, all kinds of other nonsense. Berrio, meanwhile, had lost three in a row, but he beat Oscar Pichota back in June. And then he got his own USADA suspension. Uh, although that was, I believe, tainted supplement and reduced to just nine months. 
So here's my first question for you. What was in his brother's bag? No, I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, not that what was in his brother's bag. What I'm more interested in here is, are you more inspired by the loss or the worried about the losses of Barrio or inspired by the fact that he came out there last time and looked pretty damn good against Sasha Bichota? I'm definitely more inspired. It's funny you say that. I just, you know, interviewed uh, Kama Worthy, and, you know, he, he went on a tear. Um, so check that out. <laughs> he went on a tear about how, you know, the brothers are, you know, steroids, this, that, and what was in the bag. So um, that's funny. But uh, I, I think um, Barrio, I, I'm more I'm more happy with how he came out, you know, essentially fighting for his job um, there in, in June. Um, and, and, you know, he turns into a no contest. But, but that's the best we've seen him look in a long time, probably ever. Um, you know, I know he had a split decision loss back in 2019, um, but but definitely the strongest case we've ever seen him. You know, for for Zaytar, I mean, you know, like you said, we haven't seen him since 2018. Like like we talked about earlier um, on the show, just it's so tough to kind of know and and, and acclimate where these fighters are because yes, they've been training every day for two years, but training isn't the same thing as being in the cage and having fight time. And so, you know, I think, um, you know, I think Mark Andre Barrio takes this one. Um, and, and I think he does finish him. I think coming off of that win that now is a no contest, I think he feels he's fighting for his job again. You know, he's 0-3, technically 0-3-1. And, um, and his one win doesn't count because of tainted supplements. So, you know, you got to impress the boss or else you're gone. Yeah, and it's worth noting, too, some of those guys he lost to were pretty tough wrestlers in there, too, right? Like Andrew Sanchez, tough wrestler. Christoph Jocko, you don't think of him as a wrestler, but he's got a wrestling game. So, like, you know, Aziatar is not that guy, right? Like, he's going to go in there and bang with him. And, and yeah, I kind of agree with you. The, the difference between training camp and the difference between being in the cage, the timing's different. The the power's different. And, and for me, if this is going to take place on the feet, you got to give the nudge to a guy who's fought at least once. Granted, it has been, I believe he's fought six times since the last time Aziatar has fought. So, I mean, you got to give him something for that. So, I, I'm also going to ride with him with no level of confidence because that's pretty much just where we are at this fight. Um, but I'm going to take him and, yeah, hey, why not? Let's go with TKO for Barrio. And that's going to do it for our third round. Uh, we are all done with prelim fights. I will tell you guys, there's been some stuff in flux with this card. There's been rumors that other fighters might suddenly appear on it. That Johnny Eduardo, Anthony Burchock fight was rumored to be moved to this weekend instead. And now there's maybe visa issues. So we didn't break down that one for you. We also got Omar Morales. He's supposedly fighting Shane Young, who may or may not have COVID. We left that one off the board for you as well, because we're not quite sure what's going on with that. But... All of those could possibly be coming to a card near you. And of course, uh, we hope that you guys know a little bit about those fighters from previous episodes. Um, and in the meantime, I'm Daniel Gumby Vreeland. Joining me today, of course, was Joe McDonough. Joe, thanks so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. It's always a pleasure. And, you know, in five weeks, we can talk about Jillian Robertson versus Miranda Maverick again. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs>